Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You don't need to understand how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES to feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practice. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. The podcast critics have spoken. Has this guy ever actually interviewed anyone before? And? Wow, that was long. And I don't have time to listen. Very busy. Sounds like this podcast isn't winning any awards anytime soon. Uh, he did win an award in 2011. Stop living in the past. What else with Corey Mann? Wherever podcasts are sold. Isn't it free? Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Safe Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that is secretly hoping someone builds a hotel at the Four Corners Monument for a sequel, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. He is Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. And each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Andrew, have you arrived at the proper floor yet? No. I'm waiting for somebody to answer the bell. Uh, Come in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You don't get that reference? No, I don't. You just watched the movie. I did just watch the movie. I just, I don't, there was a lot. That I re- oh yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you gotta pound on the door. Yeah, man, I gotta pound on that door. That's right. I thought you were doing the elevator. It, I thought it was an elevator floor. My, Third floor, <laughs> menswear. Yeah, my vocal range doesn't reach that of a uh, of a hotel lobby of bell. a hotel lobby bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this one. We're gonna have so much fun. Um, before we get into the rest of the show, though, we haven't done something that we need to do. Did you give up another show? What's that? Did you give up another show? Give up? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. okay. Although that's always fun when that happens. I love those. Um, no, this is the winner of the Sif Pop Summer Sum Game. <gasps> Hasn't got uh, their time on air. Now, there were actually two winners that tied because of the way things shook down, but one of them I don't have any contact info for. Mm. So I don't know how to get in touch with that person. I guess I could. Let me do this. I will just say their name and then say my name, exactly. Say my name. <laughs> um, and then if you are this person, you know, contact me on Twitter. They just didn't give a, a Twitter handle when they signed up, and oh. so which I don't require because not everyone is on Twitter. But um, you can email me, uh, email us at feedback at sifpop uh, if this is you, and we will need some proof. Um, Chris Breckenridge. So I wonder if he loves skiing. Chris Breckenridge also won. So you, what you won was the ability to say whatever you want on podcast on Sip Pop Podcast within reason. Yeah. Parentheses. Um, but uh, but we'd like to hear from you. But we did hear from Jake, uh, who also tied for the win. And this is what he has to say: Been racking my brain on what to say. I know you guys were saying my score was pretty high, if it would have held. So I thought perhaps my best option would be to explain my thinking and let you draw what larger points you will from it. Given the conversation about originality in Hollywood, in choosing my films for the top 10 in their order, I looked at sequels or franchises with a new movie and how much those films made generally, and my plan would have worked too if it wasn't for that meddling Meg. Ironic giving, given my strategy that I lost because of a Jaws ripoff, or at least a film highly inspired by it. Don't know if that's what you're looking for, but thanks for the competition. It was fun. Well, thank you, Jake, for playing, and uh, yeah, listen, I... The Meg won it for me. There's no simpler way to say it than 
you know, I was able to win because of the Meg. As old Jason Statham. That's right. Getting you the lead. Getting uh, battling sharks. Yeah. Or a shark, depending on if you've seen the movie or not. No spoilers. Um, I don't think you just gave it away. <laughs> I think it's been long enough. All right. Uh, so that is the winner. Congratulations, Jake. Wanted to make sure you had your time. And again, Chris, if you want to let us know. Yeah, got to promote that ski resort. That's right. We'll certainly let people know. Also, people are asking about the steak dinner. Oh, yeah. That so, you owe me. I do owe you a steak dinner. For thinking, was it tag? No, what was it? It was tag. It was tag. Beating Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think that's eventually what it came down to, is Mission Impossible. Yeah. So, uh, and Mission Impossible did boo <laughs> You know, it's amazing. Looking at the list now, um, the, the list is totally different than when the contest finished of uh, movies that came out, because there were some big hitters at the end of the... Uh, end of the year, Crazy Rich Asians, I think, made all the way up to seventh or eighth. Wow. It's crazy how much money that movie made. So it's just interesting the way it shakes down, you know? Yeah, my thinking on the Summer Sum game obviously don't follow my tactic because it definitely didn't work. Is I was going to have movies that came out earlier in the summer higher on the list because mm-hmm. they would have more time at the box office. The Meg proved you don't need that long to get yeah, up there. That's true. Um, that was my thing. I just, I almost didn't pick the Meg because of that. And I was like, I just, there's nothing else coming out in August. Like people are just going to go keep seeing that movie. And so that's what won it for me. And they did. And they did. So yeah. So congratulations to Chris and Jake. And I should also mention, uh, Chris from CinemaSins also was up there in that, uh, 76 point range where they were at, um, well but, done, sir. So, uh, so yeah, there were there were a couple people who did really, really well. Um, the sum, final summer totals as of now for the summer have, uh, I think, how far did Crazy? Yeah, Crazy Rich Asians got up to number seven. That's awesome. So, isn't that crazy? And Rich hey. and Asian. Uh, it it passed Hotel Transylvania. Good in the the Meg. So there you go. Did, did Hotel Transylvania actually make the top ten? Oh, yeah. That makes me mad. Yeah, but I should have seen that coming. I didn't have that in my top ten either, but I should have seen it coming. <laughs> so there you go. There's the Summer Sum game. Looking forward to playing it again. The next contest we will have uh, here at Sif Pop will be the Oscar contest. Ooh, so we'll be getting Now you, there's my wheelhouse. And we'll be getting you some details on that as we put them into place uh we're gonna have a fun show we've got a uh, really cool sift quest coming up of course our buried treasure uh best ever challenge about best ever hotel based movies so interested to do that um and of course we'll review bad times at the el royale but andrew every single week i scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world i pick three topics for us to discuss and we must decide whether or not we care about them or not number one hey did the Russo brothers lie to us <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? No, no. Um, they said the character Adam Warlock was not going to be in Avengers 4. Okay. But just, it was. I think it was either yesterday or the day before, they tweeted out, wrapped, hashtag wrapped, because they finished, you know, recording for Avengers. Ooh, nice. But then they also had a picture a kind of blurry picture underneath it mm. that looks kind of like the cocoon slash egg that Adam Warlock is always, you know, emerging from. Oh, yeah? He's a character I'm not going to explain because it's not yeah, really prevalent no to know. But I will say that he, in the comic books, is very, very important to the entire Thanos storyline. So they said, because they teased him at the end of Guardians 2, if you remember like one of the 15 post-credit scenes Guardians Volume 2 had. (laughs) No, I don't. Yeah. Um, I'll just tell you, the gold people, you remember them? How she said she's building somebody and it was Adam uh-huh. Yeah, Adam Warlock is like a super being up there with like Captain Marvel as far as mm. powers concerned. And they were building him? Yeah, like he well in the context of like the movies cuz it's yeah, it's different in okay. the comics, but yeah, they say that they're making Adam and Adam Warlock is like this one of the supreme beings or whatever. And uh they said the Russo said no, he's not going to be in 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 Avengers 4, but now people are speculating since Guardians 3 is getting pushed back because of the whole 
James Gunn thing, mm-hmm. does that mean that they're going to put Adam in into the MCU for Avengers Four? Yeah, it could be. I have no idea. I mean, I care. I care about all MC, everything MCU. It, it's yeah. fun, you know. For me, the fun is watching it play out on the screen because I'm not as familiar with the comics, and so. I think that kind of context is good for me, though, to know that this character is out there and you yeah. know, to understand if he shows up kind of maybe what that means a little bit. But at the same time, I like letting the movies figure out how to tell us that stuff sometimes, too. So I want to go a little bit more in-depth into what you just said, because sure. I kind of have probably more than you a better understanding of like what happens in the Marvel comics and oh, like how for sure. Not so- kind of. A lot. <laughs> so uh, what I want to know is, like, say you're watching a movie for the first time in theater and a character or something gets teased on screen and then everybody who knows that character around you erupts like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. What is going through your mind in those moments? Who's that purple guy with the weird chin? Okay. Yeah, yeah like I have no clue. You do you know? get excited and you want to figure out who it is or do you want to just wait until it's <sighs> given to you because I know you're kind of... Not weird, but you know, you I, have your own thing. I am weird. No, no, no. I am weird. I, I, I well, I, I say I'm weird, which I am, but in this case, I actually think I'm probably more than normal. I think there's probably more people watching these movies who, who aren't as familiar with the comics as there are huge comic book fans that, that watch these movies, which I know is strange to say because they are beloved by the comic book fans for the most part. Yeah. But I just think if they're making a billion dollars in ticket sales, they are expanding way beyond that fan base, right? And I think, Obviously, and I yeah. think I represent that that person very well because I've never, you know, done the comics that kind of thing. I think for me, it's a little bit annoying, but I don't mind, and I figure they'll explain what they want to explain eventually. Um, so it's it it was the case there for a second, like two or three movies in a row, they did this thing where a character was in the the end credit scene that I had no clue who they were, and I was just like, whatever. Like, I mean. Someday I'll understand, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they they have to kind of walk that line the best they can. But it it's not so annoying that I get angry. Yeah. It's just kind of like, who's so, that guy? So you don't go online later and look up like, oh, what what were people freaking out about? And then you like look up, oh, it was Captain Marvel. And- no, I mean, I got the Captain Marvel reference. But you know, um, as a hypothetical, you know, like yeah. you understand what I'm saying. Like, oh, right. okay, so they were talking about this. You would look it up. And- no, when when I the first Thanos post credit scene, mm-hmm. um, I had no clue who that was, what that meant, anything. And everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but a few people in the theater were like, oh, you know, like what you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, no, I didn't look it up. I didn't, you know, I just figured they'll get there. <laughs> like, there's no reason for me to. <laughs> and they did. To, because <laughs> it in, took them 10 years, but well, they, I, they answered no, your truly, question. Truly. But, you know, but part of that also is I don't want to spoil the version of the character that they're going to bring us to, because I could go back and look at all the, the comic stuff and then have totally different expectations of this character than they're going to bring to us. And like, if I like, I kind of like being purely MCU. That doesn't mean I'll never read a comic book, but it's not likely, you know, because I love this stuff and I love the world they're bringing us on screen. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, like you mentioned Adam Warlock. Part of me is like, oh, I want to find out more about the character. And then part of me is like, well, if they bring him, I kind of want to see what they're going to do with him. Yeah. And that's, that's true for Captain Marvel. I heard something recent, an article recently. Uh, some ways they're changing Captain Marvel's character or something. And I didn't read too deeply into it, but it just, again, made me think that's fine with me. Like, I want to see, you know, what version is today's version on the screen for the MCU. Yeah, I got it. That makes total sense. It really does. Yeah, very cool. Number two. Yep. All right. We're going from Marvel to DC right here. Let's do it. Flash has been delayed until 2021. (laughs) I heard that. Oh, my gosh. Kill Kill the DC... Cinem- or DCECU, however. <laughs> Whatever they want to call it. Yeah, DCEU, Expanded Universe. Uh, Kill it! Flashpoint. I'm, I'm excited. Okay, first of all, I like the character of the Flash. I don't like Ezra Miller's as I'm much. I'm okay with Ezra Miller. I obviously am much more Grant a fan of Gustin. Grant Gustin. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's somewhat hilarious that the it's fastest the, man. the fastest man is taking the longest time to get to the movie. Yeah. I also think Flashpoint, from what I understand, would be a great way for them to reset the DCEU if they wanted to. Yeah. So, like, I would think they would have that on the fast track, on the flash track, hey. as it were, uh, to to do it. Because, obviously, things are just, 
a mess. They've got Wonder Woman, which I'm kind of scared they're going to falter with the second movie and even lose the love for for that franchise. Yeah. Um, just knowing a, a couple things that I wish I didn't know, but are hard to ignore in news articles and stuff about characters that are in that movie that should not be in that movie and the time setting of that movie. It's just, I just, I don't know. Well, I'm are worried. you talking about Kristen Wiig as Cheetah? <laughs> no. Okay. No, I'm not. I'm talking about a character that has no right to be alive being in that movie. Oh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um that just I mean that to me it ruins the first movie in some ways. Yeah. Like it's just I What what if it's like flashbacks and stuff like well, that? Well, fine. But then fine. Okay. Then we'll then we'll see. Yeah. But But if they're back back then I just yeah. So it, yeah. it'll be interesting to it it will be interesting to see what DC does. Because train wrecks are always interesting. Oh, yeah. You, so, you just can't look away. You just can't. Number three. Do it. Netflix has also canceled Luke Cage. It's a, it's the all comic book version yeah, of it really Do We is. Care. Well, last week we talked about how Netflix canceled Iron Fist. Right. Now this week they canceled Luke Cage. So yeah. what's going on over there? Um, I'm sure they're looking at the ratings and the return on investment and... Those two probably aren't getting very good of either. Really? Yeah. I just thought Luke Cage was like going crazy good. Luke Cage was, v- the first season of Luke Cage was critically uh, accepted very well. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean a lot of people watched it. And my sense on the Marvel, um, the, the Marvel Netflix stuff is that Luke Cage and Iron Fist are the two that people just... They don't get around to watching Jessica Jones and Daredevil, Daredevil have their fans and Punisher. For sure. I don't know about Punisher actually, um, but uh, but yeah, the other two I, I don't get a sense. There's a lot of people that will miss it. Yeah, so. but you think that Daredevil and Jessica Jones are safe? I don't know. Yeah, I I really thought Jessica Jones season season two lost a lot of momentum, even though I still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, well, Kill, I don't, I don't Killgrave know. was his own animal. So, so good, man, and David Tennant is so good yeah um but but yeah i don't i i would assume those two will be okay for a little bit daredevil i think people really like and i've heard good things about season three i haven't started into season three yet but yeah i haven't either i was going to do it this weekend it just came out like a couple days ago right i think it came up either yesterday or today yeah so so yeah I'll, i'll get into that at some point but cool i think making a murderer season two just came out on netflix too so man i gotta quit making murders man Bad. That's a bad way to do things. Uh, I just love that you did. You didn't say they need to quit making making a murder. You were just like, no, they need to quit making murderers. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, that's they need to close that factory down. Exactly. <laughs> that's gonna wrap it up for Do We Care. All right, let's get into chatting about some bad times at the El Royale. First time at the El Royale. You have the option to stay in either California or Nevada. I always want to stay in the honeymoon suite, even though I'm not currently on my honeymoon. <laughs> What are you doing out here? I got a job singing in Reno tomorrow. Don't pay nothing, but uh, singing, singing. <laughs> this is not a place for a priest, Father. You shouldn't be here. The El Royale is a rundown hotel that sits on the border between California and Nevada. It soon becomes a seedy battleground when seven strangers, a cleric, a soul singer, a traveling salesman, two sisters, the manager, and the mysterious Billy Lee converge on a fateful night for one last shot at redemption before everything goes wrong. You picked this movie for us. Uh, thank you for doing that. If you want to vote in the poll for which movie for us to review when we put those out, uh, just follow my Twitter, at Aaron Dicer. And you picked this one for us to review, so here we are going to do that. Andrew, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I really liked it. Yeah, I'm on the high side. I liked it. Maybe even bridging into loved it. Yeah, there's there there is a lot about this movie I do love, like the things I like about it I love about it. Yeah, there's just enough negative, enough I mean, big enough negative to bring it down. Knowing you, I think you and I have the exact same negative. On you this think one. so? I really do. You could be right. Yeah, because my negative, the the negative I have also ties into a positive I have. It's just a double-sided coin. I actually agree. Um, a lot A lot of this is a double-sided coin, which is interesting considering the entire theme of the movie is about choices, uh, you know, two yeah. choices, and how those choices impact each other. Uh, and I'll just start there with the, the positives. 
I think this is a brilliantly written film. I think Drew Goddard is so smart. Now, the only thing he's done before directing wise is Cabin in the Woods, which which movies, but he, come on, that's so crazy, right? Good, so great. And but he's also directed and very instrumental in The Good Place on TV, yeah, uh, which is also so very good. I'm just getting the sense that this is a very smart and talented man. Yeah. <laughs> um, because the writing in this is so brilliant. The way he layers in the themes right down to the location, being a hotel that has a dividing line down the middle between one side and another, coin flips that happen in this movie deciding yeah. one thing or another, characters pitting each other against uh, one thing or another, uh, a, a roulette wheel with a choice that is one, one thing or the other. Or the other. Uh, like it is so smart and so brilliantly crafted um, that it's that, like I said, that's the thing I just love about a movie like this is just how how well it's put together. Um, and so. So that's definitely one of the huge positives for me. Going off of that, you know, yeah. with this movie being so well put together, it's surprising how bare bones the backstories on these characters are. You, <laughs> but it's, it's almost, enough. It's almost like the uh, the Logan brothers from Logan Lucky cr- created these characters with the whole uh, mindset of they'll know what we want them to know. <laughs> you know, with the as far as the audience goes, because yeah. the audience only knows what they need to know. They don't really go that far in depth into who these characters are. Right. But at the same time, the performances that are on screen are so good, you know just enough to care about these people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the movie focuses more on, I'd say, two people than most anybody else. Sure. And I think that... Sure. But you don't know that. You don't like, know until that. Until the movie gets there, you don't... It's not like the movie shows its hand in that way yeah. like you it is bringing you characters and developing them enough that you're invested enough that you like them enough that you understand them enough mm-hmm. um and so when you know when you really understand who the quote-unquote main characters are mm-hmm. it's at the right time in the story i think too yeah because from the beginning like i would say from the opening scene you get the mindset nobody is safe in this movie. I was going to say that. I think this is part of uh, part of the brilliant plotting in this movie, too, is the understanding that no one is safe, that every character is playing the role that that character needs to play. Yeah. That's such a brilliant thing that a lot of movies don't get because in like big budget movies, those kind of things, you've got your hero and you know the hero's safe. Yeah. In a movie like this, you're dealing with actual characters who are living an actual existence and you don't know where the plotting is going. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And I would say along with that, um, you know, I, I, I have actually didn't go back and watch this trailer. Uh, strangely enough, I usually do that before we have these conversations. So I don't know what it gives away. But I will say that this is a nice one to just go in blank and kind of let the story take you where yeah. it wants to go. Um, so don't even if you've seen the trailer, don't do a ton of research on, you know, where the plot goes, because. Oh, yeah. Because it's very well crafted to bring you along a journey. It does some stuff um, with uh, a nonlinear uh, storytelling that is really smart. Uh, shades of Pulp Fiction, Shades of Tarantino, and a lot of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really fun experience to kind of experience that. Yeah, it's very Tarantino. I got a lot of uh, Hateful Eight in this mm-hmm. movie. Sure. Uh, you know... There's some things in this movie that, you know, you see, okay, I recognize it from that. A centralized location, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a serendipitous meeting of eccentric, sketchy characters, which can also be a con because I'll just throw this quick con out there real sure. quick. Um, it's not a very believable um, scenario to have these weird, sketchy, you know, shady characters all meeting up. On this day, in this location, unbeknownst sure. to each other, you know. Sure, it's definitely convenient. It's so convenient, but, but at, at the, the same, same time, time... It's not distractingly convenient. It's not distractingly convenient, but that also plays into the point of 
each character is so unique and different that also plays into how you feel about nobody being safe because it doesn't feel like anybody is taking the forefront. Everybody yeah. is their own. It's like a clue, you know? Yeah, I was going to say it's very murder mystery. It's yeah. very like Agatha Christie, that kind of thing, where here are all the players. Yeah. Now, how are we going to move them? How What are we going to do with them, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's very, very similar in that way. I, I felt Tarantino. I felt the Cohen brothers. There's some quirkiness in this that feels very Cohen. Oh yeah. Um, I felt Hitchcock even a little bit. There's some rear window kind of aspects to this, and some suspense. Even Psycho. And, yeah. Even a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. So some of the ways that that Goddard is playing with with these things is very Hitchcockian. Um, I will say, as many influences there are, it still kind of feels like its own thing. I was too. just about to say that. Yes, you have all these influences, but at the same time. You can notice them, but you don't feel like they were copy-paste. Right. Yeah, they, it flows well enough to where you're like, okay, he went in with, you know, these homages in the back of his head, but he knew exactly the movie he wanted to take. Right. Or to make, not to take. Yeah. So, well done, Drew. Absolutely. Um, I will say that I do think that the two mains in this movie are the two best performances. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about performances because uh, that is my I haven't decided what my biggest pro is. It's probably the writing as like I already talked about. But if it's not, it's Cynthia uh, Arrivo, I think, or Arrivo. Yeah, I don't Um, know how to say it. her, Her performance is mind blowing. Now, apparently she's a Broadway star, which makes complete sense. Because girl can sang. sing, man. Whoa. She, she can sing. And the way this movie uses her singing and the way this movie uses Motown in the music of the 60s is, that's also Tarantino-esque. Like, Tarantino yeah. had such a touch with which songs to play during which scenes. I think Goddard is doing that here as well. And it always works. It's always brilliant, the song choice. Mm-hmm. So, And she is so good. And not just the singing. The singing is perfection yeah but her performance is great too oh yeah like there's so much emotion within she's the most versatile character in the movie mm-hmm. she has the most range whenever it comes to you know showing emotion and all that stuff um the only one i would say she's on her own level but the one that would come closest is jeff bridges he's great yeah and, i mean that's almost kind of a given you know you don't want to take it for granted but he is he is so good <laughs> yeah um, especially in this because i feel like it's a character we rarely see out of him. It's not a uh, Cogburn, you know, yeah. and it's not the dude. It's yeah. it's a different character. Uh, there's some things about John Hamm's performance I want to mention in spoilers because it is a performance I initially was like, eh. And then there's a re- realization, and I was like, oh. And I was like, no, this is a great performance. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of one of those, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I, did you think there was a bad performance? I mean, who's I would, at the bottom of that list? I wouldn't say Dakota. <clears throat> sorry, I wouldn't say Dakota Johnson's bad. It's just no. her performance is subtle. Yeah, she's very you know subtle in her performance. <clears throat> but it's good. Dry throat. No, you're yeah. Good. But yeah, it's good. I don't think there's a bad performance. I don't. In this movie. I don't think there's a bad. Per- I was surprised. There's a um, a character of the manager, like the hotel manager. I was about to say his name is Lewis Pullman. Is- He's Miles Miller. Really good. I never knew who this guy was before He's, this. Uh, Bill Pullman's son. Really? Yeah. Well, that that explains where and, he got his acting chops. And you can see it chops. too, right? Like when you now I can. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he he was really good, and I was not expecting that from that character. And that's the beauty of this movie in some ways too, is that everybody is at the top of their game. So yeah. you know, it's working really well. I even like Chris Hemsworth for yes. this weird. Weird character I never thought I would have seen him play. Yeah. But he does really good. Yeah, I think we can go into some some more details on the performances probably during spoilers. Because, again, I don't want to sure. give anything away on how this plot moves, things that happen like that. But, you know, suffice to say, there are some really great uh, performances in this. Um, man, this is this is really good. Are we ready to talk negative or do you have any more? Uh, no, I think this is a good time to transition. I, I will say before we transition into the negative there is an element of this where this is a very this is old school storytelling in some ways. Um, and what Goddard is doing here is he's very comfortable and methodical about the way he's telling this story. Um, I don't mind that. I, I actually think that's kind of cool and I felt the tone. However, 
I did feel the length of this movie, and that is okay. that, that is my main con. So sounds like we had a different main con. No, but, this movie was paced perfectly for me. Yeah, and I, it just there, flowed. There were moments where I was where I was just like, hmm. It it felt its length for me in in certain moments. Um, now I was enjoying myself, and again, it plays into that tone enough because again, it's deliberate and methodical. It's not trying to wow you with quick cuts and that kind of stuff. It's letting you live with these characters. Um, but I I when when I was done, I was like that that could have been a three hour movie. I think it was like two and a half, two fifteen, something really? like that. Really, was that long? Yeah. And but so it felt you, even longer I than wanna, that. I just want to let you people know uh, that that's how much I didn't even notice how long that movie was. Yeah, it felt even longer than that to me. Wow. But um, but I and I will say this because we had this disagreement on opposite ends. I think recently with first uh, with man. first man, right? Yeah. I I really do wonder if feeling the runtime of a movie is much more a um. Uh, something that has to do with just kind of where you're at, you know, in in your day and what you've experienced and, you know, it's your patience true. level, all that kind of stuff play into that. So I runtime stuff I don't know is one of the best ways to judge a movie anyway. Yeah. But it really was the only thing I came away going, yeah, that movie felt long to me. But okay. um, but what's your negative? Uh, I'm going to go with, and this is what I was saying with Double Sided Coin as far as like, you know, how minimalistic and bare bones this story is you know with not giving you too much information on these characters on the other side of that coin is the fact that there are a lot of unanswered questions in Mm. this movie and uh story arcs that are introduced that don't lead anywhere i think think that's great though i was about to say i think that's for the movie just saying yeah that's what happens in life you know things Mm -hmm. happen and there's no real rhyme or reason to it it's just random so we can I, I, introduce things, but it doesn't really have to lead anywhere. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think that was very purposeful, and I think it worked for the for the story very well. But yes, if you are looking for resolution for all of these characters, um, well, there, there's there's levels of resolution. <laughs> it's just you know, you just yeah. uh, you, just understanding maybe a little missing from. From some of them. But we can talk more about that in spoilers. Uh, it is two hours and 22 minutes. Wow. I definitely did not feel that. And I did. But yeah. again, sure. Who, who knows? Who knows? Uh, anything else? You got one more thing before we uh, before we move on? Um, No holds bar. It really is. I think we mentioned that Yeah, we that should before. talk about that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely rated R. And it's, you know, it's definitely, there are that, that Tarantino-esque aspect of the violence as well yeah um although i will say i never got the sense that this movie was reveling in the violence no, I, this movie no, no, this no. movie was very disgusted by the violence i felt like which is different than when i watch most tarantino movies i feel like most tarantino movies uh feel like they they kind of revel in that a little uh, much for me so yeah that's definitely a tarantino thing is loving the violence and yeah. living in and it. I, I didn't feel like this movie did so no it was purposeful and it wasn't excessive yeah but it is there. Absolutely. Um, well, unless you've got anything else, we'll move on. Yeah. So let's move on to the best ever challenge, best ever movies that take place in a hotel or at least feature a hotel. Um, I was surprised that th- this, this I guess, segment of movies, unless I just missed a bunch, it's a lot smaller than I thought. There really aren't a ton of movies that take place in a hotel, but I thought that was a pretty popular thing when I kind of started thinking about it. I did too. <laughs> um, but there are a few, and so we want to talk about the good ones. We'll go number three to number one. Um, and Andrew, why don't you kick us off with your number three? Want me to start? Yeah. I'm going to go with Lost in Translation. I, it's on my honorable mentions. Yeah. I knew we'd chat know, about it for sure. Because I know you don't like this movie as much yeah. as I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think it's a very interesting side of Bill that, you know, we really don't get to see. And then ScarJo, of course. Uh, but it's, is this the, uh, Coppola? What's her name? Uh, Sophia Coppola? Sophia Coppola. Yeah, it is her. It's a Sophia Coppola movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so you definitely have to understand what you're getting into. It's very artistic and very dry. I think it's a very dry movie, but yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it's, uh, but there's layers to this movie that I think are just beautiful. Yeah. I've just never, I've never seen it in that way. I, I get that it's always cool watching bill murray and he does something different here and scar joe's always great but i just didn't find much out of this movie to write home about yeah so it's not, i mean it's not awful it's not like i came away going lost in translation is an awful movie yeah. it was just one i'm just like well I, you know there you go okay 
Uh, my number three is a little bit of a cheat, I think, because it doesn't really have to do with the hotel, but it gets the hotel features in it pretty decently, and that's John Wick. Uh, so, oh yeah, I, I did at least want to mention it uh, because the hotel is kind of a character in that movie, and a lot of the no, it do, really is do take place there. What's so. the name of the hotel? It's the uh... Uh, I don't know. I should have looked it up, but yeah. uh, I'm always bad with details like that. Yeah, because I used to. There's so. The world building in the John Wick universe, you know, with the hotels and their own currency, you know, and... The all Continental. The, the Continental, yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, so... it It's almost bordering on unrealistic, but it's so well-developed that you believe it for this universe. Right, yeah, exactly. And it has its own it has its own world building that, that is so fun and interesting. So, yeah. so I wanted to mention that one. What do you got at number two? I'm going to go with the Grand Budapest Hotel. That's my number two as well. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. We've talked this, about Wes Anderson and kind of hit and miss and that kind of stuff. It's, but, it's man, a hit. It's definitely a hit for me too. Ray Fiennes in this movie playing off of forgive me for not remembering this character or this actor's name. I'm mm-hmm. going to look it up real quick. Uh, man, it's a. Let's see. How do you pronounce <laughs> the? It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to get it wrong. Thank but you. But we should say his Ray, name for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so yeah, let's go. Click uh, Tony Revolori. Yeah. Thank you. Revelori. Zero yeah. is the character. But Ray Fiennes and Zero, uh, Tony, just playing off each other was so... That is chemistry perfection right there. Those two are so good and so funny. This movie overall is just very funny. If you love Wes Anderson's style of humor, this is it cranked up to the max. Yeah. Goldblum's great in this. Yeah. For his uh, live action. Tilda actions. Swinton is great in this. Edward Norton... Uh, Saoirse Ronan is in this before I really knew who she was and how amazing she was. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Willem Dafoe. Uh, yeah, what a great cast. Um, I've actually met uh, Tony uh, Revolori at one of the awards. Really? Uh, that I went to. And, and is he as cool as I hope he him. is? Yeah, he was awesome. awesome. He was great. That's so. good. So, yeah, um, Jude Law. I mean, it's just a great cast and a lot of fun. And, you know, Wes Anderson at his... Wes Andersoniest, <laughs> and as that actually makes a lot of sense for his live action movies, it's yes. he's at his most Wes Anderson because I think yeah. that there's even two Wes Andersons. There's the stop motion Wes Anderson, right, and then there's the live action Wes Anderson because yeah. even those movies, while they're similar, they even have their own kind of feel to them. Well, he makes live action movies like they're stop motion sometimes. Yeah. You know, you can almost there's stop motion in Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, so the the, the ski chases motion right so i yeah totally i i am uh, a big fan and am fine with it at number two do we have the same number one as well probably it is shining oh no you know what i should have known that was your number one you like psycho yeah yeah that's right well let's talk about the shining first okay well no i just went with grand budapest so you go with grand Sam- budapest yeah Oh, okay. It was my number two, so then we go to your number one. All right, fine. Sh- uh, the Shining is... <laughs> the Shinning. The Shinning, yeah. Uh, they just need to throw that other end in there. Um, <laughs> yes, you know me. I'm, I love Stephen King. And yes, this movie is nothing at all like the book. It is so... But you still love it. I still love it. Yeah. For its psychedelicness and that element of it, you know, with uh, how he... Uh, makes this movie feel with you know just it's very Kubrick I'll just say yeah. that <laughs> I think that's the simplest way Kubrick being Kubrick in this movie yeah um the way he plays with the Torrance family and the Overlook Hotel yeah the Overlook becomes probably the main character in this movie a lot of people would say it's Jack Torrance you know Jack Nicholson's character yeah but I think Overall, the Overlook is the hotel. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, it, the character. It, it is the main character. It is obviously the hotel. Yeah, yeah but I would say that the. <laughs> Overall, the, I would the, say the Overlook <laughs> is the hotel. hotel. Yeah. Good call, Andrew. Thanks, buddy. No, no. But, uh, yeah, it is definitely the main character in this movie. And as because it comes alive in its own way and the right. way it messes with them physically and mentally it's just mm. so terrifying also and has had a a nice recent revival in uh in the the movie whose name i just forgot ready player one, ready player one. yeah i wouldn't say so. a nice revival <laughs> that movie's grown on me quite a bit i mean i kind of liked it when i saw it the first time 
and I've watched it a couple times since then uh, with my kids, and I'm liking it more and more each time. That's funny. I'm having the opposite reaction to it. <laughs> well, that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Psycho. Yeah, my number one is Psycho. Um, I mean, what do we need to say about Psycho that hasn't already been said? I will say, if you haven't listened to the podcast Inside Psycho. Great podcast by Wondery to kind of get all the ins and details of that movie and done in a really interesting and fun way. But uh, Hitchcock wanted to do an actual horror movie, and so he did. And this is what happens when Hitchcock does an actual horror movie. Uh, and it's it's brilliant. The decisions he makes in it are brilliant. Um, the shower scene is possibly the most iconic horror scene of all time. Um, yeah, easily. Uh, and I mean, you could have that conversation. I'm sure there are plenty of other no things to throw in there. Whoever but... says anything else is wrong. <laughs> uh, and the idea of him, you know, we talk about characters uh, always being able to live their actual story, not dependent on how famous they are. Like we talk about in Bad Times at El Royale. Uh, this movie was really one of the first that was like playing with your expectations on that um you know with the character that everybody thought was the star of this movie dying in the first you know 20 minutes of the movie yeah um you know famously this is where you know the no one will be admitted to the theater uh, idea comes from he he told theaters not to let people in after you know it started yeah um so it's just it's it's one of those movies that captured the culture in an incredible way and also was so brilliantly made uh so i mean it's it's one of hitchcock's best even though it's not technically one of my favorite hitchcocks i actually like several hitchcocks more than this Mm -hmm. uh technique wise and technical wise it's as brilliant as anything he's done so yeah it's good stuff it is in that anthony perkins performance man i mean too bad he didn't have a career after that well how could you nobody could shake that well people said the same thing about Anthony Hopkins with, yeah. you know, Hannibal. Yeah. He pulled it off. Yeah. That's true. I guess you just have to be British. <laughs> Maybe. Possibly. Yeah. I uh, want to talk about some honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, I'll go first. Kay. I liked this movie more than most people. In fact, most people probably don't even remember it exists, but uh, it even had a sequel. Uh, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Um, <laughs> I actually really enjoy that film. Okay. I know it's simple and... It's geriatric, but it is geriatric. But it is beautiful and lovely, and I just there's something that that British movies do very well that American movies haven't figured out yet, and it's how to age actors gracefully and have them still play fun, interesting, clever, awesome, dramatic roles. Yeah, and we are so afraid of aging in American cinema that our actors who are older are like Tom Cruise who looks like he's 30 you know what I, you know what i mean yeah um judy dench you know she's old and that's okay it's great she's amazing in it so you know i wish we were able to do that better on this side of the pond a little more where we let our actors and actresses age gracefully and yeah. and i'm not saying there aren't examples of that surely there are but the british seem to do it a lot better you're th- absolutely right yeah. So because whenever we do a movie about aging, it always has to deal with either Alzheimer's or yeah. you know something like that. Yeah. It's never good. Over yeah. Here. It's never. Yeah. It's never about the issues that come with aging or you know the the life that can still be had in those later years in the twilight years, so to speak. So yeah. So yeah. So that's one for me. What do you got? Mine's not as happy-go-lucky as yours. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go Hotel Rwanda. Yeah, I have that in my honorable mentions as well. <sighs> that's a heavy movie and a powerful one. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, is Cheadle it, is so is it Cheadle's best performance? Yeah, I think I so. Yeah. I think I think so as well. And the guy has had a career, but yeah, I would definitely say Hotel Rwanda is the ultimate Cheadle performance. Good call. Um, I'll go with the downer one then too, since you did <laughs> uh, the Florida Project. I think is worth mentioning here. I never saw that. Oh, one. Oh, you didn't get around to seeing the Florida Project. There were so many movies that came out last year that I just didn't get. It was either last year or the year before. It may have been two years ago. Whatever yeah. the case, it is powerful and interesting and so authentic um, about these kids growing up in kind of this hotel ghetto kind of thing in right by Disney World. Yeah, uh, in Florida. It, it is, in much like, in a very different way, uh, much like um, 
uh, I want to say Live, Die, Repeat, because that's what they renamed it. Um, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Much like Edge of Tomorrow, it's an incredible movie that has an awful ending. Oh. I hate the ending to the the Florida Project. I think it, it under, uh, you know, uh, under... Undermines. Undermines. Thank you. Undermines the rest of the, the film. So, Would but, you say that it's Willem Dafoe's best performance? Yes. Really? Yeah. Okay. He's great. He's great. Uh, in it so yeah florida project i thought was worth mentioning what else you got i'm gonna go with the documentary citizen four mr smarty pants yeah what is this i don't know this one it is the actual recordings of edward snowden hiding in the hotel i remember that now yeah yeah, yeah. did you see it i i think i actually did it's really good it's really good Yeah, yeah i think i saw it when i was binging um screeners at the end of one year and so it kind oh, of yeah I think it, it won. In my brain, I but. think it won best documentary. I could be could wrong have, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's way better than the Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. Yes. Because a, it's real, but I think it's even shot better. Yeah. Because you actually feel the tension in that hotel room. Because whenever the the press, I, I can't remember the names of the journalists, but whenever they realize the story that they're being given, they're like. Oh, yeah. So it's this you're that kind of a whistleblower. Mm-hmm. And then the gravity of it could because it's weird for us because, you know, we've known about the Snowden story for so long. And then this documentary comes out. It reminds us of how we felt whenever we first realized the gravity of what this was. Mm-hmm. Really good documentary. Absolutely. And it all takes place in that hotel room. Yeah, that's a good one. Good choice. Very good choice indeed. Um, I'm going to move on to The Bellboy. I love Jerry Lewis. I was going to mention that one. Uh, it's one of my favorite Jerry Lewis. It's great. It's hilarious. <laughs> Takes place because in a hotel because he's a bellboy at a hotel. Makes sense. So there you go. You got any others? One hour photo. I, I wondered if we'd mention this. Um, yeah, tell me a little bit about... I'm cheating because... Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> because, you know, it's very minimalistic in the fact that there's parts of the movie that take place in a hotel. Right. But, you know, the o- whole overarching theme really is not anything near what is dealing with that hotel. But the one scene that takes place in there is so prevalent and haunting. And like I said, I think it's one of the most unique Robin Williams performances yeah. we ever got. Yeah, I'm glad we're mentioning it. Uh, I would also mention Somewhere in Time, uh, which is uh, uh, Christopher Reeve uh, on the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island, which I'm very familiar with because it's in Michigan. Uh, And so that's one worth watching that I think is, you know, kind of an underseen good movie. Okay, I don't know that one. Uh, So, yeah, look up Somewhere in Time. And then did you have any others? Uh, I'm looking through real quick just to make sure I'm not forgetting. Oh, I might want to throw out Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Okay. It's very, um, what would you call it? <laughs> strange. Strange. Weird. Strange, weird. And, uh, but I was going to say, uh, what's the word? People who you have to be very specific to like this kind of movie. Niche. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, a very yeah. niche movie. Like, if you're not into that whole psychedelic, trippy, drug riddled mm-hmm. movie then it's definitely not for you my only other one is going to be no country for old men yeah i i didn't really consider that a, a hotel movie but i guess some people do <laughs> he keeps going from hotel to hotel yeah I, but then it's just a matter of traveling right like it's yeah. not i don't know i guess it, it yeah it's fine if it counts and if it counts then it's probably in my top three you know that's why it's not my top, because it would be number one. Right. But I wanted to save the actual hotel movies Right, for... yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. The only other one I had was Anomalisa. I don't know if you ever got around to seeing that one. Anomalisa. Um, that sounds so familiar. Anomalisa is the one where it's like, um, it's stop motion puppetry, and it's um, it's Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, I hated this movie. It's a Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, I know. Film. That's why I was surprised that I'm like, oh, that's a Charlie Kaufman movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I hate this movie. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I here's what I love about it. I love that it is. It finds a way to be authentically human in a visual that is that is obviously not, and it finds a way to say something interesting to me and important to me about how we see our identity. Um, there's this really cool thing the movie does about how everyone is voiced by the same person yeah. and has the same Besides face. Besides two people. 
Well, until he meets this one person, J- Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, there's, you know, and it's just this really interesting, you know, kind of thought experiment on how, you know, we, especially narcissism takes us to a place where the only thing that matters is us. And then somebody breaks through that and it becomes, you know, fascinating and energizing and in those kind of things. So and the movie has some interesting things to say about that because there, there are moments where they take their faces off and different things like that. And so it's, I, I found it fascinating and engaging and, and um, the way it played with those kind of things. So anyways, recommend for me. What, what did you hate about it, by the way? I don't remember hearing this. Did uh, we review this? No, this came out way before we started doing the show, I think. Because it came out... No, it was when... 2015. It was just a couple oh, years it? ago, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, that's right. Uh, the reason why I didn't like it is because the main character is so narcissistic. Well, I yeah, didn't, yeah. I didn't find a single character that I wanted to connect fair with. Fair enough. No, that's fair enough. That's a, that's a very fair... Yeah. argument for this movie yeah. um you're i was not supposed to you're not supposed to like this main character no, no. but at the same time you got to give me somebody sure no i've had that feeling with movies too where i can i can look at them and go i get what you're doing i'm just not having a good time like yeah. no i totally get that there was enough captivating to me about the the thematic stuff going on i really I, did appreciate that stuff yeah like how like you said everybody has the same face and same voice mm-hmm. it it was tr- it was going for something and it nailed it on that front but Give me somebody. Right. No, I totally get that. I yeah. think that's valid. I think that's very valid. Well, there you go. Yeah. Some of our favorite hotel movies, movies that uh, feature hotels. If we forgot anything, feel free to let us know. Yep. Um, in the chat, uh, Lynn is saying she wants to go to the Grand Hotel someday. Uh, Lynn, I have stayed there actually several times. We used to do an event there when I lived in Michigan. It is absolutely gorgeous and fun and interesting. And they do, they like, if you go down to dinner in the restaurant, you have to wear a suit and tie. Like it's very old school. And there's an old school jazz band playing through dinner and it's, yeah, it's, there are no TVs in the hotel room. Like it's, it's, is this in Detroit or no, no, no. Mackinac Island. The Island itself doesn't allow uh, automobiles on it. Uh, So it's all horse drawn carriage. And so it's, it's like this Island remains, you know, kind of stuck in time. So, which is why they filmed somewhere in time on it, actually. So, uh, Michigan's too cold for me. <laughs> well, and this is northern, northern. Like this, this, this island is, like, is between the peninsulas. Is it in so, one of the uh, Great Lakes or? Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's in, oh, which two lakes Superior? connect there at the top? Uh, Lake Ontario. Erie and yeah, I think, I think it's actually technically in Lake Erie, Superior. Superior. I think it's technically in Superior. Okay. Um, but I could look that up and be 100% wrong. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Those lakes, not so great. Not so great. Uh, I don't know, man. They My dad grew up on one, on Lake Huron. What's your so, dad's name? Al. Yeah, Lake Al. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I had a lot of fun uh, on that beach. So, so yeah, I think those lakes are pretty great. Fair enough. I don't want to fight you about it, though. No, you have something, you know, personal that relates to it. Me, I got nothing, so... That's why. And that is the that is how life works. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Pretty much. Uh, before we head on with the rest of the show, I uh, did want to remind you, if you want to support this podcast, you can. Undergoing some interesting branding changes, the, uh, the support for this show, if you want the dedicated podcast feed with all the bonus episodes, uh, will end up being at the Sif Pop Patreon, uh, which is right now called your Movie Friend Patreon. So all that's kind of shifting and changing. Uh, but you can support either at patreon.com slash studio DNA. We'll get you the same thing. Or patreon.com slash your movie friend will also eventually get you the same thing. Uh, so thank you for doing that. This week on the, uh, the pre-show, the patron-only pre-show, um, we played some drunk Sif Pop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's, all, the, that's all you're going to get teased. That's one of the funniest things ever. I mean, it may become a, a weekly segment if Andrew wants it to be, so we'll see. I'll, I'll make sure that the uh, the length of them is a lot shorter, but you know, yeah. for the for the introduction to, it had to you know be the yeah. full length, but man, that was good. Yes. Sift drunk. 
Sif Drunk. Drunk Pop. Drunk whatever. Quest. <laughs> drunk Quest. <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So if you want to check that out, you can. Swift Pop. Uh, thank you for your support. We really do appreciate it. Uh, couldn't do it without you. Patreon.com slash your movie friend or patreon.com slash studio DNA. All right. On to the Sif Quest. This comes from So the Dane on Twitter. What is the best example of a horrible, terrible movie that has a fantastic score? For instance, Pirates of the Caribbean sequels aren't really well liked, but the music is spectacular, at least to me. I would agree with that. I, I like the the Pirates theme and a lot of the music yeah. uh, in that. Um, so let's uh, let's chat about this. I think it's a great question, and I think there are certainly some great examples. Uh, I think the correct answer <laughs> is Duel of the Fates and Phantom Menace, right? Like, that is... That is the da-da, best da-da, song da-da, in a da-da, horrible movie ever. Da-da, um, da-da. That song is the reason I thought that movie might be good for a while. <laughs> like I, well, that, that whole scene, that whole scene, yeah. not just the score. Sure, that fight scene is easily the best lightsaber fight out of any of it's the Star Wars. So movies. good and so powerful and so emotional, and the music is a big part of it. But I, yeah. I think that's probably one of the main answers. Oh, but, you get pumped up with that music. Yeah. I mean that. Yes, the fight scene is great, but the music ah, takes it. So good. Yeah, that move, that music is really what gets you pumped up because you can't think about that scene without that song. Yeah, it's crazy good. It's great stuff, and it's so it it's so different than what John Williams had done before. I mean, it feels it doesn't sound anything like Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, what other choices you got? Dragonheart. Okay. That's a terrible movie, but man, that song is good. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. I, I mean, I'd, I'd have to listen. Um, it's a very famous song. Like, you see it in, like, award shows and all this oh. stuff, and you're like, man, that's a really good song. And then it was the original score for Dragonheart. <laughs> nice. Like, I'll see if I can find it. You'll be like, oh, that's the song? I, I've got some uh, some shout-outs that I can do of, yeah. of other good ones. Um, Australia has a really great score, not a great movie. Is that the one with... Uh, uh, Baz Luhrmann, yeah. with Hugh Jackman. Um, the Golden Compass. The Golden Compass is really interesting in that... that I ha- Is this the score from Dragonheart? It, it's going to be. Okay. The Golden Compass is really interesting. And I hadn't watched it in a while, and then I recently watched it to uh, send it for Cinema Sins. And I remembered while watching it how great the music is and how interesting the character work, uh, like the visual effects and the character work on that movie were. What a disappointment that the story on that movie was so awful because that series could have been really interesting. Um, great cast and you know good visual effects and great music, but just, man, no story. Yeah. So that was a big bummer for me. All right, here's the theme for Dragonheart. Yeah. Oh, nice. You know this one now? Yeah. Can you believe this is Dragonheart? Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Um, did you have any others you wanted to shout out? I have a couple more. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I Okay, I recognize this is a bad movie. I recognize it's really bad. Yeah. I love the movie. Sure. Just because of my childhood. Sure. But that song, dun, 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 it's so iconic. Yeah. You could not go to a skate rink in the 90s without hearing that song. That's fair. That was the song they played for our local skate rink whenever they said, only the speed skaters are allowed on the rink now. <laughs> nice. And then, Mortal Kombat! And then you'd get out there and you get pumped because it just you wanted to go fast. You wanted to be super cool. Nice. Yeah. I love that song. Yes, I, I like the movie, but I recognize it's really bad. Yeah, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Danny Elfman's score for Alice in Wonderland is actually pretty good. Is that the one with Johnny Depp? <clears throat> yeah, because I haven't seen those. Yeah, good, I it's, didn't, a, it's I a good choice. See, but yeah. if you ever want to load up the score, okay, uh, it's pretty good. And then here is my ultimate. This is my ultimate movie. Is ultimately bad. Score is ultimately good. Okay, it's okay. James Newton Howard. It's an incredible score. I was playing it when you came in today, just uh, you know, reminding myself of how beautiful the score is. It is literally the only thing I like about the movie, and it is a movie that is probably my least favorite movie of all time. Okay, it's the Last Airbender score. Um, James Newton Howard's score in that is the only good thing about the movie, and it's fantastic. And at, sometimes. 
I put it on and I listen to it and I imagine the amazing movie that could have been made with it. You know what I mean? Like imagine if somebody took the care to actually respect the material and make a great film and tell a great story with that music. And then I get, then I get sad. I get really sad. (laughs) (laughs) See, unlike you, I didn't force myself to finish watching that movie. So. Oh, you haven't you didn't finish it. No. No, good why, for you. Why would I do good that? Good for you. Um But put on the score sometime, man. Yeah. That James Newton Howard score is really good. Here's another example, and I don't think the score is all that great, but it's the only good thing about this movie. Sucker Punch. Mm. That movie's horrible, but the music's actually pretty do good. Do you know I'm a kind of a sucker punch defender? Really? Yeah, a little bit. I need to watch it again, but I remember coming away from it going. Oh, that was interesting. There were some th- really interesting things I like about the the way it told the story. Oh, um, like in a dream state? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was enough there that I was like, hmm. And then Speaking people Speaking of John Hamm it, cameos. But, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. There's some uh, thank you, So the Dane, for the question. There's some of our favorite scores from awful movies. Um, I would encourage you to listen to... Uh, a lot of those and encourage you never to watch the movies that go along with them. (laughs) Uh, Ready for some buried treasure? Yeah. All right. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with a show. Guess what? Surprise. It's a medical drama. (laughs) Nice. It's called New Amsterdam. Okay. It's a new show. Is there anything special about this show? No. It's really, it's really, you know, copy paste. uh, Medical drama? Medical drama. The only difference is it's about a guy who is now the new, I think he's the dean of medicine or something like that. And uh, he says, I hate the way that hospitals are always focused on money, so I'm going to start doing everything for free now. Hmm. So people come into this hospital. uh, Yeah, uh, free stuff. Uh, Cardiac ward, yeah, you're all fired because you put your uh, billing over the patient's welfare. And it's really cool because it's a look at like all the things people are always complaining about hospitals. I feel like I've heard about this one. He was, have it, you mentioned this to me before? No. Oh, okay. Um, I'm trying to remember uh, the main guy's name. He was in Blacklist. I remember that because mm. he was uh, whatever his... Jason Montgomery is his name. Okay. Or, I mean, Ryan Eggold. I'm trying to remember what his character's name was in Blacklist. Oh, he was Tom. He was Tom in Blacklist. Yeah. Um, he's really good. Yeah, I can it's see really, his face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, he has cancer. He has a year to live, so he's trying to do as much as he can before he dies. Okay. It's a fun show. Like Very I said, nice. nothing special about it. It's not like The Good Doctor or House. It's not its own, you know. I haven't watched a medical drama since House. Yeah. If you do, I would still recommend The Good Doctor. The Good Doctor is good the things. show that's like, could be the next House. Yeah. But House is still the echelon of not only good medical drama, but just a good show. It's the best show of all time. TV is crazy, man. Like it's, it has, it, there's so much that it, it, it becomes so very personal because anytime anybody tells me something is good, I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> like I don't, wow. unless, <laughs> no, that's, almost, that's a bad mindset for a critic, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me, let me explain a little further. Okay. <laughs> uh, if it's one person that tells me, like, that's just not enough these days, unless it's oh, the exact right person. Like, it, it it almost, today, because of how much content there is, I almost need three or four different people I respect to go, you should watch that. And then I'll be like, okay, I'll get it on my list. Just because I'm so far behind on everything else I know is good and that I want to watch. I'm not the kind of person who can watch the first three episodes or four episodes of something and go, oh, that's good, and then let it go and not finish it out and so i have all these great shows i'm watching that i want to keep watching and then all these new amazing shows come it's just like it's so difficult what i do is like say for example if it's a show that i'm not like immersed and you know absolutely in love with i'll watch three episodes like okay yeah that's really good and then i'll wait until the show is completely finished with its first season and i'll just binge it all in one day Mm. that's what i did with uh battle bots because, yes, I do love BattleBots. I love BattleBots, too. Yeah, but I couldn't, you know, just because there's so much stuff on TV. This was a great season in BattleBots, It by was the a way. really good season. I love Minotaur. Minotaur's my favorite bot. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I was I'm just, partial to, um, uh, I can't think of the one that, that flips the... Bronco? Bronco, man. Bronco's great. Uh, Bronco's been in the game for a very long time. So fun. Yeah. Uh, but 
it was just one of those things, you know, like you have to, like you said, you have to choose wisely. Mm-hmm. So I just like one day I'm like, BattleBots, I wonder if it's all done. It's all done. I can watch them all. Boom. Watched the entire season of BattleBots. And the way they did, I know this isn't my buried treasure. It was a great, it was a great format this year. I love the format yeah. of you have to earn your spot it was in a the sport. show. It was a sports season. They had a regular season in a playoffs. It yeah. was so good. Yeah. It was, yeah. Really well done. Buried Treasure, what you got? Actually, Andrew's perfect uh, Buried Treasure is the medical drama that goes along with BattleBots, where they repair the... Repair the, bots? <laughs> repair the bots. Wally. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. right, yeah. Uh, my, uh, <laughs> uh, my Buried Treasure is the podcast Radio Lab, which I don't know if you listen to. Uh-uh, never um, heard of it. Great podcast, but I actually not just... Uh, recommending the podcast i'm specifically recommend this recommending the series they're doing right now they just released the second episode in a series called in the know and no is spelled n-o and it's about consent uh sexual consent in the modern era and it is fascinating it is absolute because there are things that we should all know are black and white that have to do with consent and rape and those kind of issues. Yeah. And then there is this gray area that we're all trying to, I say we're all, I've been married and, you know. If you and your wife don't know. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I guess this is very personal, but I I really don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy that, you know, married my high school sweetheart and didn't have sex with her until we were married. So, you know what I mean? Like it's, that's my life. (laughs) So I don't know this world. And, and maybe that's why it's more fascinating to me. This, you know, the idea of the modern dating world is is can be full of those gray situations of understanding. Now, obviously, you know, my idea of sexuality informs how I view a lot of those decisions, and I think uh, also informs how I why I feel some of those decisions are so traumatic and are so you know hard to make and, and painful. But this this show is doing such a great job at exploring what no means in those situations, what constitutes a no. And my wife and I are having great conversations about it. We both listen to Radio Lab and and just kind of discussing the idea of consent and what it means from a male perspective and a female perspective. And I'm just really impressed with how they're doing uh, this show in this series. So there's two episodes of this series out uh, called In the Know, and I would highly, highly recommend checking it out just for how uh, interesting that conversation is and discussion is and important that conversation and discussion is. Nice. So that's Radio Lab In the Know. Nice. Well, there you go. Woo! Podcasting has happened. It's something that exists and something we took part in and something we conquered today. I think we conquered. I think we podcasted the crap out of that podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. Uh, it is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following it at Spreaker, either in the Spreaker app or just go to Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Thanks, Andrew, for coming by again today. Thank you, buddy. Always great to have you here. If you want to hang out with Andrew Moore online at Flick Freaks is his pretty much all your socials. Yeah. So at Flick Freaks. If there's a social, you can find me there. I'm uh, not saying I'm, you know... At, constantly active on it but i'm there <laughs> uh, i'm pretty active on twitter i love the twitters uh so you can hit me up at aaron dicer and if you want to check out the youtube channel it is currently your movie friend although that will be uh rebranding a sif pop here soon as well um so be ready for that much love and gratitude to our patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible support starts at three bucks a month and we're very thankful to you uh, lots of ways to connect with us. You can leave a comment at Spreaker or wherever you do your podcasting, uh, or you can email us, probably the best way, feedback at siftpop.com if you've got a sift quest for us or whatever the case may be. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than winning at the roulette wheel at the El Royale. Spoiler chat should be next up in your podcast feed, and check the poll at my Twitter to vote on what movie we will review next week. Insert hotel noises here.